This is Betty Collins, and we are Inspiring Women, presented by Bradyware. This is the podcast that advances women towards economic, social, and political achievement. I am here to inspire you to take steps to the next level in your career. Thanks for listening and investing your time in yourself. More about Inspiring Women in this episode can be found at bradyware.com slash resources. Well, this is an inspiring women's podcast, so I would expect that the title today, Building Up the Women Around You, would be a given. But it really is not always that case, so I want to talk about that today. Um, You know, building up and supporting the women in your life sounds easy. It sounds good. We all think that we do that. I don't think anyone's going to go, you know, I really don't want to support women today. I don't want to build women up. But unfortunately, it's not the case when you look at the data that's out there and the issues that are out there surrounding this topic of just lack of building up. In fact, tearing down can be fairly um, okay, right? But it's a huge barrier to the professional um, advancement, your professional career, um, you know, in your personal life when you don't build up women around you and you don't, you don't have that camaraderie. So, you know, sometimes we just think, well, women are more catty, right? Uh, men are not. Men blow it off. Um, their ego doesn't allow them to do this. Uh, my emotions just get the best of me, and that's just who I am. It's probably still not okay. And this is always, you know, have you experienced the ickiness of the mean girls club? You know, I can honestly say I've never been a victim of a mean girls club, but that's not fun. And it's not just in junior high, right? It's, it's more than that. I just think we need to do better at building each other up if we really want to see us advance and go forward. You know, we focus more on the men, you know, they're not nice, um, or they're the, the white, middle-aged male, but in reality, they beat us on this one. And I think sometimes it's why they rule the world. So I want to talk about that today. There's a Facebook post. I see it a lot. I I always save it. Um, And it shows a woman with a crooked crown. And it shows a woman straightening the crown. And then it shows one of them ripping it off her head. The sad reality, there's a huge deficit that exists in the number of women who really are intentional or make it a goal to elevate other women. So... You know, it's a choice. And you hear the term, we're stronger together. Sure, maybe corny, but you know, it really is true. It's true for any type of community setting that's out there. Collectively, we have more impact. So isn't that the goal anyways, in the movement for women or inspiring those women around you is is to have impact. If you really want to see the advancement and the empowerment of women, build them up. The them could be your family, it could be your girls, your daughters, it could be your neighbors. You probably work with women that you need to do that. It could be your peers. I mean, you're surrounded by other women, I'm sure. But men do a better job. I'm not going to focus on them today. The question is, why is this true? Why? Let's start there. We've all been taught to be competitive. Competitive's good. You know, competitive is what is why we have a very successful marketplace in the United States. Competition can be good and healthy. It can make you better at what you do. But sometimes you got to look at there's just as much strength 
and there's just as much success in collaboration. Competition's fine. You just can't take it too far. Collaboration is a good thing. And you need to probably shift a little bit your mindset with that. You know, we tend to have a defense mechanism. Women are really good about defense mechanisms, and those kick in. And we have, you know, it's kind of a culture that we've created. A lot of times, you know, we're responding to something, and we respond really negatively, and then we, we go into a defense mechanism that, that just keeps it, the, 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 the tearing down and the lack of building, um, it just keeps it going. So I think the defense, the defense mechanism is something you have to really check yourself on. Beyond defense mechanisms, and we've kind of, you know, had that competitive edge or attitude, we also have a queen bee mentality. The queen bee, that's everywhere. It's really was, was probably more in the back uh, 70s and 80s with women because that was when people, that, that was when women were really rising up in companies. And if you know anything about bees, the queen bee in the colony is the one who dominates. She is the one who takes control because that's, I guess, what you have to do as bees. I don't know. But there's not a lot of room for anyone else but the queen bee. And unfortunately, a lot of times, especially in the, in the years before us in 70s, 80s, and 90s, if a woman was able to advance, say, in her career, she, she was very protective of that territory because she was lucky to have it. And so that queen bee domination, maybe not taking other women with her, not you know having the elevator door open so they could come up, it just wasn't there. Um, I think it's there a lot more probably today because there's a lot more women at the top of the elevator. So, but that usually the queen bee is an underminer. They push women out of the way. And unfortunately that still exists. And then just negative thinking. You know, I think this is why we end up, you know, being a little, little catty. We end up being the, the mean girls club, but the negative thinking, I mean, you, you heard this cause it made the news over and over again. And Madeleine Albright with um, Hillary Clinton when she was at a campaign rally. And it was, it was funny. I mean, it, there was no definite, but she gave her speech and she at the end said, there's just a special place in hell for women who do not, you know, vote for Hillary Clinton or support women. And it was funny. It made the news over and over again. So, uh, but, but I don't think she was wanting anyone in hell, but we don't always have the positive of there's a special place for women who support women in heaven, which is completely the opposite, Right. So between negative attitudes and those defense mechanism, the queen bee stuff, um, I just think we don't build each other up like we could because of those habits, because of those cultures that get created. So where do you start? Where do you make this change? You kind of have to look at at who you are in those areas and, and do you have those characteristics? Are those things that you're going, yeah, I can relate to that because I probably am that. So that's where you have to start. But you really have to take the high road and lead by example. You know, you just have to if you're going to build up other women. You know, obviously the mentoring, being very open and honest and consistent. Mentoring is not just, oh, it, this is all really cool. You know, I'm going to mentor you and make you into something. Mentoring is helping you get along through your journey because it's yours. It's not someone else's. And so when you have a good mentor, chances are they're going to be pretty open and honest with you about what they see. That's not being catty. I think that's helping you. I always feel sorry for the person in the office or maybe that family member because we all have one, right? Right 
that everyone just knows this is who they are. And so they kind of just let the behavior or let the situation be what it is. Nobody confronts it. Nobody talks to them. Instead, they're belittling them and making fun of them. So a good mentor is going to be that open, honest, they're going to be constructive yet have some compassion when they have to have those things. And I will tell you, this is a very simple thing, but it but really, it really had an impact on me. Oh, probably in the early 2000s, maybe to, between, you know, up to 2005, somewhere in that time frame. Um, I always wore the big 80s hair. I had just always worn the big hair. Not that hair is life and death, right? But that's what I did. And I liked it. It was easy. It was simple. My hairdresser was the same person all the time. So I got this new client who owned a salon. And um, I thought, you know, I should go to her salon, see what she has. And I think I had a massage. And she said, you know, you really, um, do you want us to cut your hair? And I said, oh, no, I have a great hairdresser. And she just said, you know, I, I, I'm going to say this is nice, Kim, but you're living in the 80s with your hair still, and this is like the 2000s, and there's a thing called a straightener and, you know, all these different things that you could do with your hair. And and um, I was a little taken back. I just, you know, but I was really kind of glad it stuck with me. She was somebody, she said it very nicely. She wasn't making fun of me. She wasn't talking behind my back going, well, she's not out of the 80s yet. Instead, she just said, hey, I'm a salon, I'm a hairdresser. We could do something really cool with your hair. And, and that's a simple thing, but that's what a good mentor does. So how else do you lead by example? you got to be tenacious. When you're tenacious, other women around you, you don't have to say it, preach it, have meetings, journal it, all these things. They're watching you. And by doing that, it's giving them confidence and you don't even know it. They're seeing you work through something. They're seeing you not giving up. You're busting through that roadblock and you're showing them it can be done. Never underestimate the the influence you will have by being tenacious. So that really helps build up the women around you because they they tend to watch it and then they hopefully follow it if it's done well. You know, I think we could probably be more supportive, especially when someone wants to take a risk. So what does that mean? Well, I'm going to quit my really good job in the middle of, hey, my kids are in college with tuition and I'm going to start a bracelet business. Okay. Now, is that a risk that you would just sit and go, cool, I love your jewelry? Or would you say, man, let's let's really talk about that before you do it. Great idea, but there's a path probably you need to take. That's a way you build up women so that a year from now, when they're now borrowing money to go to school, or they can't keep their kid in school, they're going, why did I ever do this? And there just might be a different time to make jewelry. So I think being supportive, especially when they want to take risk, we need to help them navigate through it. Another thing you have to do, and and I'm not very good at this because I don't ever want to see people to see me with any kind of wrong emotion. I mean, I, I shouldn't even call it wrong emotion, but you know, I'm not a person who's going to cry a lot in front of people. I'm not, you know, I don't really want to go on a rampage and melt down in front of everybody. <laughs> But sometimes you need a safe space to go. You need a place to go and just be who you can be, be who you are, let those things down, and then, you know, open the door and smile and walk out. I think women could do that more often instead of um, you blow up at the wrong time in the wrong place and then 
the tearing down and the ripping of the crown off the off the head comes along. The other thing you really need to do in a great way, but you better be ready to do, is you got to pass on the lessons you've learned from bad treatment so that it doesn't happen to other women and they can maybe be more aware of it. And lastly, be empathetic. You know, chances are other women are going through what you're going through and come together and learn from it. But most certainly anyone around you um, that you see needs some advocacy for them. Go advocate for them, stand for them, be with them, you know, kind of defend them, do those things. Those are ways certainly that you take the high road and you kind of get away from the whys it happens that we act this way. These are ways that you can change the course of that circle, whether it's your family or your community or somewhere you volunteer at your work, all that kind of stuff. When women come together, though, and build each other up and they get that alliance that's healthy, that alliance that's positive, you're going to experience power. There is power in the pact, right? There's power in more. There's power in numbers sometimes. It's a good kind of power. Don't abuse it. But that's a result of leading the way in your circles of influences. You know, think on experiences you've had where other women have built you up. I could go on and on about this, but we have to continue to move on in the podcast. But, you know, who's coming to your mind right now when you think, that woman was a champion for me. That woman advocated for me. That woman really stepped up when I took a risk and she stayed with me. What woman straightened the crown for you versus ripped it off? Um, You know, sometimes we just watch from a distance the crown's crooked and we don't do anything about it, right? But... I think you should look at those folks first and, and you thank them, you know, think about that, thank them, but also say, man, I could also be that to other people, to other women. All the opportunities in the world are ours for the taking and ours to be shared. And, and when building women up isn't so much about your voice, it's how you use your stage, it's how you use your venue to encourage and support them so that they can find their voice. Brady, where is my venue? And I have a responsibility to use that wisely. I try to do that through our women's initiative, through supporting organizations like NABO and the WSBA, using that venue wisely. You know, how can you rise to the challenge? You keep it simple. Don't sit and think you have to have this big organizational thing and I'm going to, you know, help everyone and solve the world's problems. Keep it simple, but take the opportunities and challenges, those risks, without even questioning your worth or ability or place as a woman, and then don't be afraid to be a little unruly. It's okay. I read a great article from Glamour Magazine by Olivia Perez, and she talks about being unruly. It's okay. But listen, just picture Thanksgiving dinner with this family. So she said, I was genetically bred to be an unruly woman. I was raised in Los Angeles by a Jewish-French Moroccan father and a Serbian mother, kind of in a Brady Bunch family of strong female figures. Four sisters, two stepmothers, three godmothers, and a mom. The mom who dedicated her life to bringing us all up as independent daughters. Just picture that Thanksgiving dinner. These were all women I aspired to become. They, they were ones who coexisted despite marriages, divorce, different backgrounds. They supported one another unconditionally. And they taught me that being soft-spoken was maybe not always an option. 
not at our dinner table anyways, for sure, but unruly can be good, just saying for building up other women. Uh, but you know, really, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but sometimes you need to be a little unruly and shake at the pot. And that is a way to support women. I just found that. And I just thought that was just a great way to describe her family and the people around her. And she probably uses it in a good way. But being a little unruly is okay. You know, other things you can do, though, uh, you just show up every day for women and envision the change together with them. You know, see it together and work towards it. Certainly creating environments for women to take up space. All right, so what does that mean? Panels and conferences, events, interviews, girls' night out. You know, really it's about thriving in their environment. What space is that that the women in your life would, would really thrive in? I will say that my daughter, she gets um, you know, a little tired of hearing about my podcast because I want her to listen. She gets kind of a little tired about hearing about women's initiative, things I'm in. I'm always trying to get her to join in. But she did come to my conference in back in June, the Women's Leadership Conference, which we had about 350 women. We had panels. We had national speakers. Um, NABO and WSBA, we all just came together, put this conference together, and she came. And she was just, it wasn't even so much that I bribed her with the new clothes to be there and said she could have a great time together and I'd feed her well, right? But she loved that she saw me thriving in an environment that I loved. And she, she wrote on Facebook that night, I get it now. I saw it today. And that was just, that was the whole, that was the best part of that conference for me was because it inspired her in a different way. But she was like, mom, that's where you belong. And that's what I'm talking about with creating space. What are environments for the women around you in your lives that would make them thrive or, or you see them thrive and you're like supporting them in it? So it was a cool story. You know, other ways besides being a little unruly, which I kind of like that whole phrase, be transparent and open. Do you understand that secrecy breeds jealousy? I want you to think about that again. Secrecy breeds jealousy. And that then leads to what, what I now call head trash. I, I got that from a conference that I was just at. You know, those voices, that head trash. Man, being a little more open, being a little more transparent. Women tend to take it and run, and it's secrecy just turns into jealousy, and then those voices in your head. So think about that. When you see, when you see a women who are tearing each other down, chances are that could be a real way it all started. Here's one. This is the challenge of the day. You'll probably go right by this one, but zero gossip policy. <laughs> Try that one. It's hard. Sometimes if you just test, write down every time you're gossiping or take a little, you know, check mark. There we go. You'd be surprised. I did it once because I was in a class on negativity. And that was one of the things we had to do. Every time you had a mental negative thought, you had to check mark. Every time you gossip or put someone down, you check mark. You would be surprised. And it did kind of make me go, oh, it's kind of like tracking your steps on Fitbit. You're like, I'm not walking today, right? It just, just a suggestion. I know it's not easy. You got to go beyond, you look really pretty, right? <laughs> Women are so much more than their physical attributes. And we have a whole society built on that. But I would tell you to encourage women to, to take care of themselves and do self-care. The emotional part of your life is huge. And, and I kind of did that post-divorce. I said, these are the things I'm going to do for Betty Collins. And I sat down with the New York Times. I only ordered like three months of it because it was, uh, I don't know why I needed to read the New York Times, but I did. 
I just did that for an hour on Sundays with no interruption. And then once I was kind of done, I moved on. But it was something that I, I, it was my time, it was my place. So I think that's something you have to look at and do. I know I just spent this last year really involved with physical activity and, and weight loss. It was not because I wanted to be a size two. I just knew that I have pretty good health for a 56-year-old. And yet I'm not treating the gift like I need to, because it's a gift. I have a lot of people around me in my age who we've had people pass away. We've had people with cancer. We've had people who, you know, just can't control certain addictions. I don't have any of that. I don't even take any of your blood pressure, heart medicine, nothing. Why would I not take care of the gift that I've been given? In turn, what's been weird is not the size two. It's just, I'm, I'm feeling better and it's kind of my time. I'm not rushing out the door every morning because I'm, I'm doing some workout stuff that's not crazy. I'm not putting my toe over my head and, you know, wrapping myself up like a pretzel. I would tell you, self-care, go beyond the you look pretty stuff. Be the vehicle that turns a young woman with big dreams into what she was destined to be. You know, you see people with potential and you don't do anything about it. But I would tell you, never underestimate tapping into that woman's potential that she can't see but you do. Even this podcast, I question myself, should I keep doing this podcast? And the people that help me record this always say, you have no idea what the potential this has. You need to keep going. You need to keep doing. Again, women building up women. Sounds easy. Sounds good. It is my hope that you can step back, observe and dive in by speaking life into a woman around you. Doing life together, stronger together with some fun along the way. In my life, I have an amazing mom, a big family, 41 to be exact is my immediate family, lots of women. I have a daughter and a daughter-in-law. I work for a company where I direct a women's initiative where 49% of the workforce are women. I'm part of, you know, several groups I've mentioned, NABO and the WSBA. So women and team building are a pretty daily part of my life. Really, it's a responsibility and it's a deep passion. I've seen both sides building and tearing. We are better together, ladies. Take to heart this podcast. Do some soul searching on your part of building up other women. Go forth and straighten or pick it off the floor, the crown she is wearing. Don't stand in the background and watch it. I'm Betty Collins, and I'm glad you joined me today. As your career advancements continue, your financial opportunities will continue to grow. Be prepared. Visit bradyware.com slash resources to download a copy of the financial checklist for every stage of your life, everything about the Inspiring Woman's podcast, this episode, and Bradyware and Company Accounting Services can be found in the podcast show notes.